This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Letterboxd. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com, more of our podcasts at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. You can also follow us on Letterboxd at uh, Obsessive Viewer, Obsessive Tiny, and I am Mike White. And finally, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer at the minimum rate of $1 per month for an exclusive RSS feed with content recorded specifically for Patreon supporters. In this week's episode, we, uh, episode exclusive for Patreon, we talked about baseball and, <laughs> um, uh, struggling to find something worthy of recording for Patreon. So, <laughs> yeah, fun. pretty much. Um, you get what you paid for. <laughs> um, so. So yeah, I don't really have any like housekeeping or anything. I'm Matt, by the way. Tiny, how's it going? I'm good, man. Good, good. Um, yeah. Anything? Anything going on? Like this? Oh no, I got yelled at by a fire marshal the other day. Did you really? I did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It did, was. Uh, it was stupid. Wow. How, like, what did you? Did you yell back? Uh, no, I didn't defend myself because, oh. um, because he was kind of being a dick about it, and like, oh yeah, it wasn't really my fault what was going on. Hmm. Um, but. It's not a good idea to piss off a fire marshal because they can kind of do whatever the fuck they want. Oh, yeah. They're like, um, well, okay, you're going to treat me like that? I'm going to shut your place down for two weeks. Oh, damn. So I don't want that to happen. That they would... set you on fire? Uh, the, I, they might be able to. Oh, wow. I, I don't. I really don't know. Huh. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I just kind of took it on the chin and uh, complained about it to my wife. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's why you get married. <laughs> nice. I, uh... Just watched or I listened to audiobooks at work. Nice. And pizza. She did this last night. She tried to lay on the little. On our recorder? Yeah. Your recorder? Yeah. It's the podcast's recorder. It's the so podcast. We're good. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. It was funny because we were just recording and then pizza was just like, yep, yeah, I'm just going to lay here because I'm a cat. <laughs> yeah. Did um, her cat thing. Yeah. And then, of course, she sits down because it's. Here we go. Good call. There you go. Oh, thank you. It's like so a, like a deterrent. Yes. Uh. So yeah. So uh, housekeeping and feedback. Don't really have much of anything going on. Um. We're recording this a week in advance. So if some big news thing hit in the last in the within the last week, uh, we'll talk about it next week probably. <laughs> yep. Um. But something did kind of. We do have a little bit of news to kind of go over that hit yesterday. Um. Uh, Screen Rant uh, published a post saying Game of Thrones runtimes for all season eight episodes revealed. Um, as we all know, season eight, the final season of uh, Game of Thrones, is coming out on April fourteenth. Is when it's pre- premiering, I believe, and it's going to be for six episodes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, so yeah, they announced the runtimes for them. Uh, um, so yeah, so kind of 
Richard Reporter. So, okay, the season eight premiere will be four, fi, uh, 54 minutes long, and the second episode will be 58 minutes long. And then the fourth episode will be uh, 78 episodes, or 78 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, fifth episode will be even longer at 80 minutes, and uh, the finale will also be 80 minutes long. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so I, I had that information just pulled up right here, and I was ready to go, and I knew all about it. <laughs> um, so, uh, what do you think? Like, how do you feel about that? I'm a little surprised. I figured they were going, like, big old 80, 90-minute episodes for all of them. So did I. Um, but, I mean, uh, we haven't seen them yet. Let's not right. let's keep, you know, we're, we're so desperate for information because mm-hmm. it's still, like, you know, uh, over a month away or about a month away. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're just we're all just, like, chomping at the bit. And so right. any little piece of news. Um, and I like how conservative they're being with it. Like, they're not, mm. like, even the trailer, like the two minute trailer, there's really not hardly anything in there. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Um, pretty, which I like it that way. I think oh, it's, me too. I think it's cool. So, um, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's news. Mm hmm. Um, I'm stepping on, uh, Tower Drunkies a little bit, but, um, so, what's it called? Um, Amazon Prime has their Game of Thrones, or not Game of Thrones, but, um, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings thing in the, in the pipeline. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna open a can of worms by saying any of this, but, um, <laughs> uh, how, like, just in generally speaking, like, say, this is all conjecture and everything. So say that Amazon Prime releases their Lord of the Rings series, their first season of it on Amazon Prime. Um, how, First of all, how kind of cool would it be if that is competing directly with not Game of Thrones, but whatever Game of Thrones prequel series that they're going to have? Uh-huh. Um, what would you be more excited about? Game of Thrones prequel. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I'm not... I don't... I haven't read anything. I haven't been up to the snuff on the Lord of the Rings series mm-hmm. that they're doing. Um, They've kept it pretty well under wraps. Have they? Okay. Yeah. I'm just not super enthused for it and there's no reason okay. no, no reason for that um i'm just i just haven't looked into it very much um Interesting. i'm like you said there's so april's gonna be so huge mm-hmm. i'm just like ma- mainly focused on game of thrones twilight yeah. zone mm-hmm. avengers in game like that's yeah. that's gonna like occupy my my watching and creative uh efforts yeah for a while seriously how fucking crazy is april it's a big month um and then also we were talking off mic about like all the stuff that's going on in april like that we will have to cover in various podcasts Mm -hmm. um also next next friday i think it is uh us comes out (laughs) the new movie which looks nuts and like it was at i think it was at south south by southwest Mm -hmm. um rave rave reviews coming really? out, of, out of the film festival. Nice. Um, or it might have been a fantastic fest. Now I'm thinking about it. It looks so um, creepy it, and, and it scary. Does. And I talk a lot about how I don't really get scared by a lot of horror. Mm. I, I, I think it looks scary. Yep. So. Yep. Um, just, uh, and apparently like the buzz that I'm hearing is like, it's, it's crazy. Like it's nuts. Nice. Um, so yeah, we're definitely gonna have to review that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just super busy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we've got, let's run it down real quick. We've got Us. Um, I miss Us. <laughs> uh, us, New Twilight Zone, um, Pet Cemetery, April 5th, Game of Thrones every week, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Avengers Endgame, 
that's in the span. That's it. Like, dude, that's all that's within the next six weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fucking nuts. It's crazy. Um, yeah. So we're going to have, like, this is going to be, this is going to be intense. And also, peek behind the curtain, I'm starting school for, like, like online school stuff, like, uh, for this university that, that is partnering with, with my company. Did I tell you about that at all? No, you didn't. This oh, is news okay. to me. Yeah. So, uh, accelerated courses, five week courses, all online and everything. Uh, Kirsten's been doing it and she was telling me about it and she's like, yeah, there's a, like kind of a bit more work than I expected. <laughs> um, so like on top of all of that and relaunching two podcasts and everything, I'm going to be doing school stuff. Oh man. So it should be crazy. Expect, uh, some, some more hiatuses, guys. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, I really hope we can stick to April cause I know, man, it's, and it sucks cause yeah. like, that's like the weather changes. And so like, mm-hmm. I want to be like outside working in the yard. Uh, me too. And stuff. We're not working in the yard, but yeah. Yeah. Um, like we have a big race party every year, which oh, is yeah. the end of May. And so like, we got a bunch of stuff we want to do before that. That's right. So yeah, that's going to be a challenge to squeeze that all yeah. in. At least you're not building a deck again. I know. Thank so. Christ. <laughs> Unless you guys build a second deck. Uh, we're good. We're decked out. A double decker. God damn it. <laughs> <Ugh>. Nope. <laughs> Nothing is, none of the stuff we want to do is like huge project like oh, that. Yeah. Some of it's kind of projecty, but not like everything can be done in a day. Nice. So nice. Oh, huh, well, that's cool. Um, yeah. I, this all got ran far away from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, any other news or anything? I don't think anything else has come up. Yeah. Uh, so this episode is kind of going to be a hybrid of Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. There's a family in our driveway. It's probably the neighbors. But you have a family? Hi, can I help you? Zora, put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. So I wish I would have edited the potpourri uh, episode, because <laughs> then uh, I would know where to splice this in. Mm. Um, but let's just go ahead and just assume that we've already done our introductions and everything. Um, we're going to... I'm going to put this... I'm going to put our Us review before the extended potpourri. So um, this is Us reviewing us um, <laughs> so we're gonna review us and then we'll go into the extended potpourri so everything you just heard um from our previous recording is null and void um yeah so we're gonna review us uh we're gonna do non-spoiler and spoiler alike um tiny yes how were your expectations going into us um pretty high really i think um like i said jordan peele has just managed to skyrocket to the upper echelons of cultural relevance mm-hmm. um and I, I you know with with get out and uh key and peel and now the twilight zone he's just he's just crushing it and so i i had pretty high expectations for us um and uh, obviously with the the trailers and stuff uh, the trailers and marketing marketing were incredibly effective for this movie mm-hmm. um it just made me as soon as you know, uh, regardless of the details of it being in the, the the latest Jordan Peele movie, I was very intrigued by the the marketing and the trailers and stuff for the movie. So totally agree. Um, I'm the same way. I was very excited for it, and I was very excited because because it was coming out a couple weeks before his uh, his production company released The Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. 
Um, which, by the way, I'm reviewing The Twilight Zone over on Anthology at AnthologyPod.com, so check that out. But, yeah, so I was excited for us. I was very excited for it. Uh, the hype surrounding it, I like to go in with an open mind and not get too tied into the hype. And fortunately, I didn't let the hype machine kind of take me. But afterwards, like, it, it kind of bothered me. Like, there's one website called uh, Heroic Hollywood that's kind of... um. Uh, I kind of feel like a lot of people don't take them that seriously. <laughs> um, and one of the reasons why, at least I think recently, is because their big quote, their pull quote from their review of Us is, Us is the greatest horror movie of all time. Okay. And I'm like, okay. Pump the brakes. Yes, let's simmer down here. Let's, let's, let's cool it here. It's a great movie. I loved it. Spoiler alert for the review. But let's not, let's just not, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, um, I do want to mention that I, you and I saw it at a press screening and then, uh, I saw it with Kirsten the, the weekend it was released and I, <laughs> I had made the stupid joke. Um, I had said, I said, if you're still game for Saturday night, we should get our tickets today when we're, when you're available. Also, I'm secretly hoping we get to the theater and find out that they pulled the movie so I can look at the theater employee and say, with a whimper and uh, in complete sincerity, what happened to us, Stacy? <laughs> in that scenario, the theater's employee's name is Stacy. <laughs> Just FYI, <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, so yeah, and then uh, Kirsten and I did not get tickets that day. Uh, the next day, she texted me and said, "Oh hey, let's get tickets whenever." So I said, "Damn it, I was going to text you and say what happened to us getting tickets yesterday, Kirsten." <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So, anyway, milk that milking that title for all the puns it's worth. I sure am, <laughs> um, and it's worth noting. She's probably not going to listen to it, but it's worth noting that when we were seeing the movie, like she made the joke that uh, this was the prequel to the show "This Is Us." <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So, anyway, us. Uh, you want to hit me with the plot description, courtesy of IMDb? Yes. A family's serene woodside vacation turns to chaos when their doppelgangers appear and begin to terrorize them. Yes. So, in broad terms, without spoiling it, what did you think of Jordan Peele's sophomore effort, Us? Liked it quite a bit. Um, it's flirting with my top ten for the year. I think nice. it, could, it could definitely be in there. Um, just, uh, I think the best thing about it is its originality. I mean, it's it's so easy especially with horror to be derivative mm -hmm. and i didn't i didn't feel any kind of derivation on this with this story i mean it's completely original um and it's uh it was, I, it was surprisingly funny yeah like um like when i saw get out i saw it by myself you know, like at home and stuff and i wish i would have seen it in the theater because i think more of the scenes and the dialogue would have translated comically mm -hmm. for me because there was a lot of stuff that was like situationally funny in in us um especially early on uh that i appreciated quite a bit um and it like that it, it's it's the type of comedy that's difficult to achieve it requires a lot of chemistry and good camera work and a good director and all that stuff and it, it wasn't just blatant you know stupid jokes it was yeah. it was situ situationally funny stuff um so that that was all real i appreciated the crap out of all that um and the uh, i thought the trailer 
the trailers that I had seen for it, I was expecting to be scared, and I totally was. It was it was definitely a scary movie. Like yeah. anyone who says they weren't is just bullshitting you. I think. <laughs> um, but I think what ended up gripping me the most by the end of the movie was just it wasn't scariness; it was disturbing. Just mm-hmm. a very disturbing story, um, which I th- I kind of think I appreciate that more. I think it tends to stick with me a little bit more. Uh, make you think sort of um like when we saw the movie we had originally planned to do like a parking lot recording yeah uh, in in the car um and we didn't because i think you were feel you were under the weather and all that yeah. stuff um yeah that sucked yeah but i'm I, I as we were leaving i'm really glad that you that we didn't do that because mm-hmm. i had to like sit with this movie for a little while Same and here. think about it and really collect my thoughts um and i mean that as a compliment i don't think that's I'm not. I'm not knocking it down for that. I think that's a good thing. So, um, I ended up really liking it. I think. I think it is slightly, slightly overhyped. I think. I think. I think the hype got it a little bit. People are. It, it was so hyped, and then everyone to sort of save face and saying, "Well, it's not like the best movie I've ever seen," or like maybe Get Out was better. I don't know, but I think everyone's just heaping praise on it because. They feel like they're supposed to. Maybe I think, I think it's suffering from that a little bit. The, the hype is some of it. Yeah, like I think it's a great movie, and I think it deserves tons of praise and and all that. But I wasn't, I wasn't like I wasn't like blown the hell away by it. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's a damn good movie, and I really liked it. I agree, and I, I think I liked it a little bit more than you did. Okay. Um, at the end of the day, but okay. I do agree they that the kind of internet is kind of overhyping it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Especially that website. <laughs> yeah, that's poor movie. Like, come on, right? It's it's it's, it's, <clears throat> it's unnecessary. But and I do have a funny story from the screening that I'll share oh. share here in a little bit. Nice. Uh, yeah. Um, I will say, let uh, kind of uh to um to give input to the mystery surrounding our listeners about about my health in that screening. Um, I had <laughs> first of all, okay, this is. This pissed me off because, and I don't <laughs> remember if I mentioned this on the podcast at all. I don't know why I would, but I was—I may have actually mentioned it on the podcast. Now that I think about it, but anyway, I was at work and I was rounding a corner and I heard someone sneeze and I rounded the corner and apparently they didn't uh, cover their mouth because, like, within ten minutes of walking past the guy, I had a sore throat mm. and. It was just like that infuriated me because like for three or four days after that, I was just, you know, having that kind of just like sore throat congestion and everything. Yeah. And when we were in the theater for us, um, that's when the sore throat like got like eat like worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Like there was a moment like I I come prepared. I had a pocket full of throat lozenges, which is my... Uh, debut album title um, <laughs> so uh i was popping these these cough drops like no tomorrow and like it was to the point where it was like it was so bad that i had to do like two at a time yeah just to have some kind of relief but it was like anytime there was something shocking or something funny that i would have to like like my reflex would be like <laughs> or uh like any type of like noise and everything, it was like an intense pain in my throat. Jesus, and I want to get that guy fired. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, to actually talk about the movie, what you guys are listening to this for, <laughs> um, I really, I really loved it. I thought that the the balance between comedy and horror 
was really well well situated. Like um I mentioned this before, but uh Winston Duke's character. Mm. Um I identify with him. Like I don't have kids. I don't have aspirations to have kids. Yeah. But he is a quintessential dad and like his like that is that type of dad humor is something I like to think of myself as a student of. Totally. Um reference the stupid uh, us play on words that I used earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that, I was just so uh, happy with, with that character in the movie. Yeah. He was fantastic. Yeah. And like even the bickering among the family, like the whole, um, the argument over who drives mm-hmm. in, the, in the car. Uh, so great. Yeah. Um, but to talk about the actual horror of the movie, like, yeah, it's super unsettling. The, the um the character the doppelganger characters first of all when uh when Lupita Nyong'o spoke as Red like when she had that raspy voice and everything I was like I yeah. feel you <laughs> like I identify with that character too <laughs> um but um yeah it was uh, like it was just so unsettling and like they had setups to things that got paid off later that were paid off in unique ways that you wouldn't you wouldn't really expect them to be paid off. It wasn't like a simple like, oh, um, uh, oh, he put the he put the micro machines on the floor and the wet bandits slip and fall. Yeah. Um, which also I love the Home Alone reference in the movie. <laughs> yeah. So great. Um, I do also want to mention that the violence in this was intense yes um it's not like a gore fest thing but like it's kind of the thing that's like off screen as someone's being you know just ripped apart with a with a fire poker right or a golf club like it's just it's this crunchy kind of uh horror and uh yeah i i really dug that there's there are a few different like acts to the movie and like we'll talk about that in spoilers but i do want to mention that kind of the middle portion of the movie takes place in a specific location and i thought that was like tops like that was the that was the strongest part of the movie um and it also has a very cool uh reference to the shining in it so yes I dug that yeah um yeah anything else in non-spoilers yeah so what happened at the theater oh yes this was it's it's funny it's really funny so um there was uh a guy who was a couple rows behind us mm-hmm. i think he was there with his girlfriend or wife or something mm-hmm. and they they weren't talking throughout the movie but they were making some comments as much as i hate that in movies yeah. i got such a kick out of that me too they were really funny and they weren't they weren't annoying they were mm-hmm. talking to themselves like amongst themselves but it was loud enough that we could hear yeah. um i it didn't it really didn't bother me but like the first thing i remember him saying i think we were 30 minutes into the movie maybe and i don't remember specifically what happened on screen but i think it was like like someone got stabbed or it was mm. something really extreme and like everybody in the theater was like oh, like gasping and stuff and then after everyone finished gasping the guy he he was he was a black gentleman mm. um he was just like mm, no nah, I, I ain't nev- i ain't never gonna forgive jordan peele for this <laughs> never no i mean some of his stuff is good but this nope i ain't never gonna forgive him for this it was so funny it was hilarious oh that's great <laughs> it was so funny man uh Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was great. Um, I, I love that Jordan Peele tweeted, uh, like, after the movie was coming out and getting um, 
a lot of buzz. He was like, all he tweeted was, "Us is a horror movie." Yeah, um, because of the whole like, oh, it's elevated thriller or whatever. Because right. it's a prestigious horror movie, and you know, horror needs to stay in its lane and not be prestigious filmmaking, which is ridiculous. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Uh, I just love that he that he just he just said that like it's it's a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also, he mentioned and this got kind of some. I don't even know if it necessarily got any flack or anything. I think it was just in the way that a headline was written. But basically, he had said that he he doesn't see himself casting white people in lead roles in his right. movies, which I think is fantastic. Like that's mm. that's I'm totally fine with that. But the uh, the tweet like there was a tweet to an article. They came out with like, sorry white, sorry white white guys, you're not going to get cast in a Jordan Peele movie anytime soon, and like that's what caused like the whole fervor and everything. Right. Like in my head, I'm just like, if anyone's like legitimately like thinking like, oh, that's racist of him not to do, it, like, okay, fuck off. <laughs> that's not <laughs> like, you know, just stop. Yeah, my problem with it was he said, like, I understand if he doesn't cast white people or whatever, like that's fine, but I. uh my problem with it was what he when he said I've seen that movie before. Oh yeah, and I was like, so every movie with a white lead is about the fact that he's white, or like black people can't identify with it. Like that's that that phrase bothered me. I can I can meet you halfway, and I can under I can understand where you're coming from, but I think yeah. he's I don't think he's necessarily saying like oh I've seen like every white every white movie or white person in a movie is the same person. I don't think he's like saying that. Right, he's just saying that. He hasn't seen black leads in movies um, enough. Yeah, so. and that's fine. And plus, it's like he writes and directs his own movies. So, like, mm-hmm. if he's writing a story and he's seeing a black guy in the role, yeah. why would he cast a white guy? Right. So, like, I, I get that completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> anything else on non-spoilers? Um, trying to think. I no, I don't. I don't think so. No. Okay. Cool. Well, we're going to dive into spoilers for us, so um, you know what? I'm probably going to go ahead and put... Well, no, I'll put that here. Uh, So (laughs) we're going to dive into spoilers for us. Um, I'm going to play a clip from the trailer. When we come back, we're going to be spoiling us. If you want to skip that and just listen to our extended potpourri, uh, check the show notes for the uh, timestamps for where you can jump ahead. So without further ado, we're going to go into spoilers for us. They won't stop until they kill us. We kill them. Be careful. <laughs> okay. Um, us. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. The, I don't want to talk about the twist yet because I feel like that putting importance on the twist is kind of not what the point of the movie was. Yeah. Um, I loved the violence. The Shining reference was great. Um, mm-hmm. For our listeners, the Shining reference is when uh, uh, oh, what what is the the twins? Yeah, what uh, Tim Heidecker and what is the Elizabeth name? Moss. Elizabeth Moss. Uh, when their characters are taken out and the twins are taken out too, um, the kids go up the stairs and they see the twins bodies and they're situated in a way that is similar to how they're how the twins are situated in the shining when danny torrance is walking down the hallway and sees a vision of them dead on the ground Mm -hmm. love that love that love that um that whole sequence i thought was phenomenal yes um everything from 
from Tim Heidecker and uh, Elizabeth Moss. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're kind of going back and forth. Their bickering was funny. So great. Yeah. The way that they use the uh, voice activated thing. Yeah. Uh, was fantastic. Um, I actually I recorded something for anthology last night, and <laughs> my stupid thing went off and oh, scared the crap out of me again. <laughs> so anyway, um. The way that that was utilized was great. I, I loved that whole sequence, and the way that it plays with sound and the absence of sound also yeah. was phenomenal. Um, it also reveals that this is a global thing. <laughs> like It's not just the family being hunted. By right, that's what I liked about it. Me too. Um, so what did you think of the that whole sequence in the movie and spoilers? It, it was really awesome. It reminded me of like a, like a complex... Semi-complex structured scene from like like a David Fincher movie or something like it made me think of like uh, what was that movie Safe Room? Is um, that what the movie was? Panic Room. Mm-hmm. Panic Room. It made me think of like that. Like that was a highly structured complex movie, and it made me think of something like that. Like you can't, you really want to focus on it because it's like you know the de- the devils and the details, and it's mm-hmm. just the structure of it's really cool. Um, and so yeah, like the I thought that was kind of an open atrium loft style house mm-hmm. it just all worked really well um and yeah like the whole reveal that it wasn't just the uh lupita nyango's family that had the doppelgangers it was like everybody and i was like holy shit how deep does this go this is crazy and uh, yeah i was like this is like an apocalypse essentially this is mm-hmm. crazy um I, yeah i loved that part um and and the violence of it like you said just like i feel like if you're going to make a horror movie it it has to be this movie wouldn't have been as effective with less violence or with, um, if it was gratuitous over the top, just silly violence, I don't think yeah. it would have worked. Like I, th- I like the fact that it was, cause there's comedy throughout the movie and that's, that's the source of the comedy in this movie is through the dialogue and the, mm-hmm. the chemistry with the actors and everything. You don't sometimes when you have the gratuitous, uh, violence with, you know, buckets of blood and it's ridiculous yeah. and it's kind of fun that has its place, but I think that would have been out of place in this movie. I don't totally. I don't think it would have worked. Uh, so I think the straight up, legit violence was highly effective, and it was. That's where it got. That scene is where it got amped up. Absolutely. Was was in that scene? Yeah. There was a really cool kind of visual flourish that I that I noticed when uh, Tim Heidecker is looking outside, and. Uh, Elizabeth Moss is walking up to the window. Like the way that the frame, like the way that it's framed is that she's walking up to the window and we see on the left-hand side of the screen, her reflection walking like toward her, uh, in her direction. Like the reflection is coming up close. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I, I, little things like that. I, I loved, I thought it was great. Definitely. Um, the kind of, the way that they, the way that Jordan Peele uses setups and payoffs in this movie was really interesting to me, because he sets up the whole, um, like kid in the kid in the pantry or whatever, um, yeah, with the car, and then uh, also the magic trick with the pyromaniac as well, right, and then also the flare gun. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. Uh, like the way that that was paid off was was perfect. Um, because <laughs> it wasn't like a big moment. <laughs> it was just. Completely in keeping with the tone of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk about kind of the ending a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of trap that is set by the kid doppelganger 
and the way that man, the way that he disposes of of his doppelganger is great. Where he just has yeah. him walking behind or walking back, so great. So man, I love this movie. Yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah. So, what did you think of all the stuff in the bunker in uh, underground? Yeah, that was that that was the part that was just really disturbing to me. Um, just the fact that there's humans down there that are like live that awful existence basically. Yeah. You know, that was just incredibly disturbing to me. Um and then yeah, just the fact that it I don't know. Like I it took me a while to like to sit with this and be like, "Man, how what are the implications of this or like how did this how did he think this up and like why are they there and yeah. how is it that like it's interesting that she when she gets to the bunker like she she just like went down some flights of stairs and like mm. slipped through a couple doors and it's like it's not like there's like some secret hatch or like right. some hidden doorway that led down it was like someone should have stumbled upon this a long time ago or yeah. like if this was why were all of the dop- doppelgangers just hanging out at the bottom of an escalator. Mm-hmm. Like all they had to do was get on the escalator and like, I understand they're not, they weren't like intelligent right. or whatever. There's a disconnect there, but it's, um, I don't know. It just, it seemed weird to me that it was so just so open and like, mm-hmm. they could have just, how, how is it that none of them escaped <laughs> or like, like accidentally got out of the bunker mm-hmm. before that, you know, that's, that's what, I found weird about it. Yeah. I didn't really have any problems with that or anything. Okay. Um, just because specifically they are kind of, you know, not all there, but also they are mirroring what their counterparts right. are doing up, up, up top. Right. Um, and I, I really liked the twist of her, like them switching places when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. And like by the end of the movie, when it's about to be revealed, I was thinking like, is that what we're leading toward? Like, and like I was figuring, like I was kind of figuring out, figuring it out, and thinking like, okay, this is this would be a pretty effective like twist and everything. But I have no idea how the hell they're going to communicate this in the movie, right? Um, and the way it was done, I mean, it was it was it was well done. I, I liked it. Um, I mm-hmm. thought it was a good, um, very dreary and unsettling ending because the implications of that is that this this girl has lived her life underground and it just. It's a weird juxtaposition of her and the doppelgangers being like she's not like them, but she's there for years. Right. And it's just, it's so disturbing. And it's strange to me that, like, she, you know, she has, she is, was all there, presumably, Mm -hmm. as a child. And, like, was she, why didn't she leave? (laughs) Like, I, 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 that's a good question. Yeah, because, hmm. She maintained some semblance of intelligence because she orchestrated their uprising. Yeah. You know, she was, and she was like the only one of them who could like speak and stuff like that. Exactly. And I think Um, the reason, like, the way she was able to orchestrate the uprising and everything was because they saw her dance and that had some kind of like that signal to them that she has a connection with them that they don't share with their counterparts mm, and everything. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I didn't, I didn't really have problems with it or anything. Um, I did kind of question why she didn't just leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, I mean, granted she was, you know, handcuffed to the bed, but like she was not handcuffed to, to the bed for several years. Right. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but we can nitpick it 
or just kind of take it in as it is and I appreciated it for what it was. Definitely, yeah. It didn't it didn't like ruin the movie for no, me by any no. by any stretch of the imagination. Um Jordan but yeah. Peele does some good stuff. I don't know if I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um the I think I mentioned last time we recorded, I don't remember exactly, but I was talking about the cultural relevance of Jordan Peele now and all that and um I was listening to, listening to NPR and they were like analyzing the movie. Um and I was they had some some interesting points that I don't remember exactly who they had like some film critics on. I, right. I don't remember who it was, but one of them pointed out, or it was mentioned at some point that the, the doppelgangers were the result of like a government experiment. Yep. They mentioned that in the movie. Was it? In the, I completely missed that. Yeah. For whatever reason. I think it's <sighs> when red, the Lupita Nyong'o's doppelganger. Mm-hmm. I think it's when she's talking, she's talking about it. She says that, um, that, they were experiments. They learned how to copy a person, but not copy the soul. And then okay. they failed. So they just left us there. Okay. Um, so that's kind of what happened. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I remember her yeah. saying that, but I didn't, I guess I just missed that part sure. of it. Um, yeah. But I, um, man, just, I think the, the performance of Lupita Nyong'o is like, next level because oh, of absolutely that would have just been so easy like her playing the character of red the doppelganger mm-hmm. could have just so easily been over the top yeah or hokey um you know doing that with her voice could have been just awful and could have just yeah. like completely taken you out of the movie but she walked that tightrope remarkably well mm-hmm. i don't think she was over the top like ever um she managed to to maintain creepiness and scariness and uh and and just like tragedy by the end it was just incredibly tragic um yeah like you said like that little eight nine-year-old girl just had her entire life ripped away yeah and she had to um towards the beginning when the doppelganger family breaks into the house and they have them all sitting on the couch and Mm -hmm. she's telling the story and she's talking about how you know she didn't get nice gifts at christmas anymore and she when she had her children, she had to have like a C-section with one of them. And she was yeah. like, she had to do it herself. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. like that's just a level of disturbing, disturbedness. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. That was like, I was like, man, that's that like, again, that's the next level shit. That's like mm-hmm. why this is a unique movie. Like that's Absolutely. not, not something you really have seen before in a horror movie. So, mm. and I'm not, qualified to talk about this or or uh put it uh i don't know i don't know if there was social commentary being made yeah i was uh, i was wondering about that myself i was wondering if you picked up on anything or i i kind of have a thought that it might be a little too surface level and not i don't i don't know if this is what he was going for or not but it kind of felt like maybe some of it was a little bit of an allegory for um slavery slavery right that's what i was thinking too yeah just the just the imagery alone of lupita nyong'o being handcuffed the whole movie yeah that kind of adds resonance to that but the idea that okay these people are thriving while these other people are completely just miserable and 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 not in control of their own life Mm -hmm. there's like this bondage kind of storyline that's happening um and i i kind of got that but it, it wasn't to the level of like the social commentary and get out. Right. Or anything. Right. Um, and I, I, um, I didn't really 
get the whole Hands Across America thing very much? I don't think I did either. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, Jordan Peele just hates Hands Across America. <laughs> I guess. Um, I think it just was more for... Uh, uh, to connect it to the tethering idea, maybe. Okay. Um, and just the imagery of it. Uh, yeah. It was effective. It was cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, very interesting. Right. A um, couple other things. First, uh, in the scene, to kind of backtrack with Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss in their home, um, I loved the... And I kind of feel like maybe, this, maybe there's something there that I'm, again, not qualified or don't know enough to... Or, haven't thought too much about it to really form a concise hypothesis about it. But the, like I, the juxtaposition of, um, of the, the white characters, uh, playing like the beach boys and then horror unfolds and they try to call the police, but they play fuck the police. Yeah. Which is in itself is hilarious. Like that, that's a, that's a hilarious bit. Um, and then the black family comes in to, you know, not save the day, but, you know, to seek help and then have to kill the doppelgangers, everything. I kind of wonder if there's something there in terms of, like, race or or um, not cultural appropriation, but, like, mm. some kind of... I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm totally reaching in completely out of my element here. Um, I hadn't considered that. <laughs> well, no, I hadn't considered that. But now that you say it, I wonder if there is something, some subtext there. Yeah, if you will. If 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 there was, I didn't. I don't know how to interpret it. I guess. Me neither. Um, um, yeah, but it was still really effective, funny, and uh, unsettling scene. Yeah. Also. Um, I also appreciated um, Lupita Nyong'o her um, her performance as the uh, the surface person, if you will. Sure. Um, how, how like kind of scared she is of Santa Cruz. Yes. Um, because you know, it was, I just, I really felt it. And like by the, I, I love how in the moment, like when early on in the film, when she's talking about how stressed out she is and she's scared about, you know, just being back there and going to the beach and stuff like that makes her nervous. And, I was like, yeah, it makes sense she experienced something traumatic. But then by the end of the film, you understand just how the traumatic context. the context. I was so like, holy, great. that makes it even more disturbing mm-hmm. that, you know, she had such a horrible life up until that moment. Of course, she doesn't want to go back there because she's afraid that she's going to be sucked back into that underworld, if you will. Right. I was like, holy shit, that just makes it even more resonant. Yeah. You know? And, and kind of unnerving, too. Yeah, definitely. Um, just so, so great. Yeah. Um, there was a tweet. Um, I do want to mention the ending. The kind of... Uh, first of all, I love that the use of I've Got Five on it and the remixed version of it was in the was in the finished product and not just in the marketing. Yeah. Um really really great um uh, just I don't know, really really great use of uh of that song and everything. Mm-hmm. And um the ending with the kind of final confrontation between the two Lupita Nyong'o's. Mm-hmm. Um I thought it was just there was such a uh in elegance to it. Um, yeah. I do want to mention, I got a tweet from, uh, at lunacy of a geek. Um, they said, we, uh, 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 he was there with his <laughs> wife. Uh, we both loved it. It, 
Uh, hang on. Um, we both loved it. I only had one minor uh, uh, issue, but it was something I may have missed, and even if not, it wasn't enough to detract from the whole movie. Uh, in my opinion, the final fight was one of the most elegant, fascinating pieces of acting, directing, fight choreography I have ever seen. Nice. And I agree, yeah. That was very cool. Yeah. Um, and it's just, there's there's a beauty to it that's just so so well realized and, and uh, captured. I just, I loved it. Yeah. And that freaking remixed I've Got Five on it track is so unsettling. <laughs> Chilling. Yeah. Chilling and haunting. Yep. Like, I, uh, for some reason, I just decided to, like, look it up and listen to it. Um, it's only, like, a couple minutes long. Um, at midnight when I was about to go to bed, and I was like, <laughs> like, it was a weird thing, because, like, I don't usually get, like, you know, un like unsettled or anything or scared, but I was like, this is really unnerving. Like I'm, yeah. I'm kind of nervous right now. Um, it's one of those pieces of music that I think is going to stick with. It's going to stick in that context. Mm-hmm. If you will, kind of like the, uh, Requiem for a dream. Yeah. That music. I can't hear that without getting a pit in my stomach. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in a good way to, incredible piece of music right but it's associated with that that movie and that movie is incredibly disturbing so i whenever i hear that i just want to cut my arm off yeah Um, me me too yeah man that movie yeah i haven't Um, seen that movie in years me neither i i i think i've said before i saw it in high school and have never seen it since yeah and i've never done any drugs because of it (laughs) um yeah like I, i just can't i nope nope yep um, and I've never watched like a sleazy, like telemarketing kind of like <laughs> show. Right. Um, or, uh, infomercial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I think that's our review of us. Um, yep. uh, so to recap tiny, what happened to us? <laughs> um, no, okay. uh, yeah, uh, basically, yeah, that's, that's our review. Um, how do you feel about Jordan Peele's career and, uh, how excited are you about the Twilight Zone? Um, yeah, super excited about the Twilight Zone. Um, yeah, I, I think he, I think he did great here. I still think, um, most people, um, just to be completely subjective here, I think most people, hold get out and us in a little bit higher esteem than i do mm-hmm. i think they're awesome and like i'm gonna tell people to watch both of them like i think right. they're i think they're great i don't have i don't even really have bad stuff to say about them they're just it's not quite like blow me away level for sure. for either of them but like whatever he comes out with next i'm gonna be there to watch it like i'm yeah i'm excited for what he does um one thing i didn't mention really quick is um people were asking me about like my dad asked me about it after i saw it and a couple other people i know who are movie movie buffs and like everyone seems to be super interested they were like so is it just like a horror movie i mean like what like people are very curious and like i just told them like it's basically just like a straight up horror movie i mean i was like you're gonna laugh there's gonna be some comedy in there just like get out um i was like but i i can't I was like, first of all, I don't think it fits into a box really well. Right. But if you got to put it into a box, you got to put it in the horror box. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, and it's, but it's not just a horror movie. It's a good, unique, one of a kind horror movie. I was like, it's, yeah, yeah. And I told some people like, my wife's never gonna watch it. I was like, you will, oh, yeah. you will hate this movie because <laughs> she doesn't really like horror to begin uh, with. Yeah. Um, but uh, I told my dad, I was like, watch it without mom. I think you, you might actually like, <laughs> you might enjoy some of this. So, nice. um, but yeah, I did you. 
did you wrestle with that or struggle with that like when you were trying to describe the movie like is it would you just call it a like pretty much straight up horror movie I, i would i would just say it's just i mean it's it's a horror movie it's not um as heavy with social commentary as get out was yeah um but it is it is a very effective horror movie a lot of the sim- similar things that you said cool um yeah and uh to tie it back to the twilight zone also and to kind of shoehorn another reference to my other podcast um jordan peele did say that uh one of the episode one of one of the things that he drew inspiration from for this episode or for this movie was the season one episode of the twilight zone mirror image which is about um a woman who is at a bus station and just sees her doppelganger there oh cool and uh hilarity ensues <laughs> um in the most twilight zony way um but yeah so i recommend checking out that episode it's season one episode 21 of the original twilight zone and yeah that's our review of us um yeah hope you guys enjoyed it we are going to dive into our extended potpourri that was totally recorded at the same time as this (laughs) and is totally not going to be an awkward edit to bring us back into that extended potpourri episode that i haven't touched in two weeks (laughs) so um enjoy and thank you for listening thanks guys um we're going to do a quick letterbox potpourri round and then we'll go into our individual extended potpourris. Um, so tiny, do you want to bring up the first letterbox potpourri? Like throw sure. something at me? Yeah. Uh, I'm or, c- yeah. Yeah. You go ahead. I, Cause I've been talking a lot. I, Oh, I don't know if you want me. I don't to care. Do- I talked. <laughs> okay. It's fine. It's okay. fine. Um, I'm very curious about 1995's strange days. Ah, you yes. Watched. Okay, so Strange Days is a 1995 um, sci-fi movie uh, directed by Catherine um, Bigelow. Bigelow, yeah. Um, I almost said Catherine Heigl. I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Catherine Bigelow, uh, it stars uh, Ray Fiennes and some other people. <laughs> but it's a really interesting science fiction premise. It was written by or co-written by or story by, I don't know, uh, James Cameron. Right. Um, so... Weren't they married at the time? I believe so. Yeah. So Strange Days is about a kind of... Uh, I'm going to read the plot description because it's been a while. I've heard it's kind of a cool movie. It is. It is very cool. Um, it's, it's funny because it's got... Uh, I talked about it briefly on Anthology when reviewing... Um, an episode of, of uh, Black Mirror. But anyway, um, the plot description for Strange Days is a former cop turned street hustler accidentally uncovers a conspiracy in Los Angeles in 1999. So this movie is set like a few years in the future um, of the time of its release. Um, it's set like right before uh, the ball drops on Y2K, which in the movie they call, I think they just call it 2K. Okay. Um, so it's... Okay. Uh, yeah. Right, sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, it's the premise is, uh, about like this underground kind of, uh, thing where these people, people will wear, um, or have these like, um, I think they're, I can't remember the exact way it is. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Um, they'll have something like a contact lens or something like, or like a, uh, a hairnet kind of thing, a wiry hairnet thing. Like a neural net thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, that basically gives, like, records their point of view. 
And so there's this whole underground kind of black market for people to get like footage of people's experiences. And like when, Mm. when they get the experiences, it's not like they just get like a, a DVD or a VHS of like the recording or whatever. Like they have their own like neurotransmitter thing. So you can like feel what they felt. Feel what they felt and like experience like their point of view, like first person and you experience their sensations and everything, which was timely for me to watch it because uh, Black Mirror season four, uh, the final episode of season four, uh, Black Museum has a, uh, has a plot like a a storyline in it that is, kind of close to that yeah um it's got it's actually it's it's based on a story by Penn Jillette called the pain addicts uh pain addicts yeah i think hmm. um it's about a doctor who has this like implant in his like brain that lets him experience the pain of others while he has like this weird hairnet kind of wired neurotransmitter thing on his head mm-hmm. and he becomes addicted to feeling other people's pains and sensations um, just really, really messed up. So, yeah. so cool. Check out Anthology for my uh, review of that. But anyway, Strange Days is interesting. It kind of goes through this whole, um, conspiracy thing where Ralph Fiennes, Ray Fiennes is trying to get back something and, uh, he kind of uncovers this kind of dirty cop, um, police, like, uh, police beating thing and uh, it's it's very much um, kind of tied to uh, the kind of the era of it like it's 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 a really interesting depiction of the climate of the late 90s like after the Rodney King uh, verdict and hmm. the LA riots and stuff it's very much like a kind of not necessarily uh, dystopian but like kind of slightly like grimy like futuristic kind of version of that. Hmm. Um, very interesting. I, I thought that it was, uh, I thought that it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, like Ray Fiennes steals the movie. Like he's, he's fantastic. Nice. Is it Rafe or Ralph? Ralph. His nickname Ralph. is Rafe. His nickname is Rafe. Okay. Yeah. It's Ralph Fiennes. Um, so anyway, he's like, he's great. He is fantastic. Also, um, <laughs> really, uh, really bizarre. Um, <laughs> really is a bizarre piece of trivia but you know the song um i think it's called right here right now by fat boy slim uh where it's like it does like the whole like kind of i don't know what kind of music it is but like kind of like dubstepy but like electronic like uh djs kind of stuff but mm-hmm. it, like there's a woman that's repeating the line right here right now right here right now yeah I think I'm um yeah okay but um <laughs> The, the line of that, of a woman saying right here, right now is like Fatboy Slim sampled that from a clip in Strange Days. Okay. So it's so weird to see like that clip and see like, I think it's Angela Bassett says it, uh, like, like she's, it's a highly emotional thing and like very, uh, dramatic thing. And then like she's like yelling at Ray Fiennes and she's, this is your life. Right here, right now. It's real time. You hear me? Real time. He's like, right here, right now. This is what, where your life is, or whatever. And it's just like, oh, that, that was that was that sounds familiar. Huh. Um, it's kind of interesting. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, that's strange days. 
I watched it for my little letterbox project that I need to get back into. Yeah. Like, I have fallen by the wayside with all of my little uh, letterboxed uh, projects and everything. But it's for my uh, 20 director challenge on letterboxed. So, um, cool. Yeah, so that's that's Strange Days. It was pretty good. Was that Catherine Bigelow's first like movie directorial? Um, it might have been. Let me actually check. No, she had some stuff in the eighties. Oh, okay, gotcha. Oh, she she did Point Break. How could I forget that? Oh, yeah, totally. Nineteen ninety one. Love mm-hmm. that movie. Oh, so same here. Yeah. Um. Cool. Yeah. I uh, I recently read a book about um the nerd. Fe- I, don't I know. I'm so sorry. Well, I listened to it in my car. Nice. <laughs> um. The future of artificial intelligence. Oh, nice. Um, it was really interesting. And they mm-hmm. talked about like, um, the potential for a, like a neural, a neural network. Oh, where you could literally, it's kind of like the matrix. You could like plug in and like your self consciousness could like leave your body and an AI could like run your body while you're gone. What the? F- they talked about like it, it would revolutionize health because you could have an AI come in and exercise your body while you're gone, and then you come back and you just wouldn't even have any idea that you exercised. And <laughs> whoa, yeah, it was like wow. it was really interesting the way huh. he was talking about it. Like the potential is wow, pretty. Like we could all go to uh, what's it called in? See, we could all go to San, San Junipero while yeah. the AI exercises our body or whatever. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I was like, holy shit. Or it was like it could lead to the, like some phenomenon where humans die and like where the the moment where that technology is perfected we all live forever in san junipero and mm-hmm. organic humans die wow. and like those people are the end of human right ra- the human race but they live forever that's crazy in san junipero yeah it's <laughs> like i was like holy it was a very cool book it's called Jeez. it's called life 3.0 by max tegmark oh, okay nice it's a very very interesting book so that is it made me think of that when yeah. you were talking about strange days so that's intense yeah it was really cool huh. that's all where would you where would you want your consciousness <clears throat> to go oh man i don't know i don't know because they could literally <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice um this thing it could literally be literally be anywhere anytime mm-hmm. or it could be any fantasy you could think of because you or, could just or it could be right here right now <laughs> nice <laughs> Yeah, so it like I, I don't even know. I don't, I'd have to think about it. I, yeah, I, I don't wow. know. Yeah, me too. It could be mm-hmm. some fantasy that you just think up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Jennifer Lawrence is for days. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, so yeah, uh, that was my letterbox potpourri. Tiny, I want to know what you thought of. Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah. Um. So I watched that recently, and um, I liked I liked the first one. I thought it was relatively simple, and um, I thought there was a lot of charm to it, and stuff like that. Um, but this one, uh, I I still liked it quite a bit. I just think that universe is just. I love being in that universe. Mm-hmm. That's how I'll put it. I just I love being in that universe. The Harry Potter. The wizarding world, if you will. I just think, I find it, I just find it so fascinating. Um, but these, like I watched the honest trailers for, for this movie, uh, like a couple weeks ago maybe, and it's dark. It's a dark ass movie. Like, I think it's even darker than the Harry Potter stuff, which kind of got, I could see that, you know, later on got, got darker, which I, I love about Harry Potter. Um, but this is just uber darkness. And it's not 
bad necessarily. It's just, it's just different. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm glad that there's, there are some respites from the darkness. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, um, uh, the main guy. Um, uh, can't. Uh, Newt's commander. Thank you, Newt's commander. Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. Um, it's just like this fun little simple guy who just mm-hmm. loves animals and like when he like captures the the dragon thing from china that was just like super charming and cute and fun. like I, I really enjoyed that mm-hmm. um and then the uh oh i'm i should have like loaded this on imdb <laughs> um the uh the american guy oh um, uh yeah oh what was his name the actor's name uh, uh james uh or uh, something fogel yeah, Dan Dan Fogel. Dan Fogel. Dan Fogel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's fun. He's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the honest trailers was funny because he basically just they were talking about how he just basically makes faces the whole time. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, he's like the most regular. Like in the Harry Potter series, they didn't have many Muggles, right? Like non magical people that were like major characters, but he's mm-hmm. you know he's a major character, uh, and it's kind of that's true. It's kind of interesting having. A muggle be our main character. Mm. Um, look at us using using terms, I know. fake right. terms. Even though technically, in with the American side of that, they call them nomadges. Oh, that's right, they yeah. do. Yeah. Which, when Fekus and I reviewed the first movie, uh, he, he like he raised a big stink about that. Like it's it's the most unimaginative it is thing. And like I I agree. Like it's I don't know. Very American. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, I I enjoyed the movie and I kind of liked the uh, the sort of evil plot. I thought was um, uh, was was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm genuinely curious to see where it goes. But I read recently they're going to do three more of them. Yep. Yep. That's too much. I think. Yeah. Uh, just I'm I'm really a fan of just keeping it simple and like. Mm-hmm. Do a trilogy, man. You could totally wrap this up in, right. a, in one more movie. Um, I don't know. I say that, but then I loved the eight Harry Potter movies. Right. Um, I think it was necessary to break up that seventh book into two movies, kind of. Yeah, I, think I don't that was, blame him for that. Yeah, I think that was a good... I don't think that was just a money grab. No. I think it made creative sense. Um, but this, I just... I don't know. It seems... I mean, obviously, it re- they remain to be seen, remain to be mm. made. It could be, could be great movies. I have no idea, but... Uh, it just seems like a bit much to me. I I agree. Like I was weirdly bored throughout the whole movie for me, but okay. Also, I recognized that it was moving pretty briskly. Yeah. <laughs> like I was bored with the plot, but I was also like, "This kind of move. I'm not like bored. Like I'm not. I'm not bored out of my mind in terms of like, oh, when is this going to end? It's more like, okay, let's just wait for this to end. Get to it. Um. Yeah. yeah. And I don't. I don't know. I just. I've. I've. Both movies I, I wasn't too crazy about, and I've kind of, I, I have the idea that, or the thought that J.K. Rowling, it's, it's such a jump from writing books to writing movies. Yeah. And I don't know if she has transitioned well to that medium. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so much, she doesn't have enough room to really create like a compelling mystery or anything. Like the whole thing with Credence, in this movie, it's like, I, the, it, like, the surprise or the, the end, like, the reveal in the movie isn't earned. Yeah. 
at all. It's a bit of a red herring almost. It is. And it's in like the reveal just like, I wasn't like, Oh, like I, I didn't like gasp or I wasn't like, Oh my God, what does this mean or anything? It was more like a, wait, what does this mean? Like, (laughs) like what? (laughs) I mean, there's seven books that (laughs) this had no, like no inclination of that being a thing like at all. Right. Like what? Um, and it's just, it's just seems so bogged down and kind of, kind of up its own ass with its mystery. Yeah. And I feel like in a, like if this were a book, she would have a lot more space to really develop it and and make it more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a struggle there. And also, I felt like, I mean, this is the second movie in the series of five movies, and I felt like they were already kind of stalling for time. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I agree. Yeah, so I agree. So yeah, I felt like you know in each of the seven Harry Potter books and seven stories. Mm-hmm. There was a concise plot in each yes. movie, and there were threads. Obviously, they ran throughout the entire series, mm-hmm. and that was that's sort of missing a little bit from from these movies. Totally, the, there's only been two of them, but uh, I don't know. I appreciated that about the the Harry Potter films and the Harry Potter books because, like, I wasn't it took me a long time to get into them, and like, I saw the the fourth one, Goblet of Fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I saw the third one, and I was like, oh, that was actually that was like, pretty decent. I didn't mind it. You know, it was okay. I wasn't I wasn't a fan. I just wasn't into him at all. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Goblet of Fire. I was like, okay, that's really good. Like I actually liked that quite a bit. And then the movie just kept getting better and better. And I was like, I got to read yeah. these books. And mm-hmm. I just fell in love with the books. And I'm a total Potterhead. Yeah. Afterwards, so I I think I mentioned this last week with Fecus, but um, I like uh, <laughs> I've I've been like the last couple of days, like the last couple of days, I've listened to the first two Harry Potter books on Audible. Nice. Um, and couple notes about that. First is that, uh, man, they're so good. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just like that world is so intoxicating and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, second thing is that the first book was published, uh, June 26, 1997 on my 11th birthday <laughs> that, I am so like if I could go back in time and like just hand myself that book. Yeah. Um, and like kind of, I would have loved to, I feel like I missed out on experiencing Harry Potter in real time. Like the people that mm. grew up with Harry Potter. Right. Like I am envious of them. Totally. Um, and the other thing that I actually just saw on Twitter and I just confirmed and everything is that, uh, J.K. Rowling was 32 when the first book, uh, was oh, published. Oh, wow. I didn't realize she was that young. Yeah. Or, yeah, well, yeah. I was thinking more in terms of like she was old. Oh, really? Like, yeah, like just she's. I don't know. It's just interesting that like she got her big break in her thirties. Yeah, um, I just thought she was significantly older than that. Now, that's oh, all yeah. I'm thinking. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Anyways, <laughs> yeah. There's a really funny meme that was like, since she's since she is so fond of just revealing just hidden things like, oh, Dumbledore is gay. It's like, all right, cool. Um, <laughs> there was a funny meme. Uh, on Twitter that was like, um, JK Rowling reveals that, uh, <laughs> reveals that in the Harry Potter books that you were gay the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so dumb. But anyway, so yeah, so I'm like, I'm going through the books and everything on Audible and, um, I am, uh, curious to, because after I finish all of them, I'm going to go and rewatch the movies and 
Maybe give Fantastic Beasts another shot. Okay. Um, nice. See. See, see I, how I feel about them. I, I liked it. Like I said, I just I liked being in that universe, and mm-hmm. and that's that's enough for me. Yeah. Um. And I I think it was a, just a decent movie in general. Yeah. Um. But it's it's definitely got its faults, and I think the series could could kind of recover or mm-hmm. take off nicely if it's done right. Yeah. With with some of these other movies. Um. And see, that's kind of where I'm at with it because the Harry Potter series, like, it's clear, like, like the entire, like, it's some of the, it's some of the most, not, I wouldn't say most intricate, but like, it's some of the most, um, impressive, like, storytelling, like, the way that she connects everything together and, like, mm-hmm. everything kind of comes to, comes together in very unique ways. Um, and it, like things are paid off and everything. So I've got to imagine that she has a five movie story. Like, yeah. Know, and she has this idea. Right. Um, and that future installments will kind, of, will kind of start bringing those threads together in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. Um, I don't we know. will see. Yep. Uh, so should we go into our extended potpourri? Sure. Cool. So, um, I, I guess I can go first. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, this one will be brief, um, because I don't really have much to say about it because I only watched the first episode so far, but, uh, The Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Are you familiar with the show? Uh, I haven't looked into it at all, but I've seen it pop up on Netflix. Okay. It's got Ellen Page. It's about a group of, um, so basically in 1989, some 40 some women suddenly, like one day suddenly became nine months pregnant and gave birth to children at the same time. Huh. And this eccentric, like, billionaire person, um, adopted, like, eight of them and hmm. raised them. And now 30 years later, he has died and the kids have come, the kids that he adopted have come home to kind of settle his, his estate and everything. And there's a lot of bad blood. It's basically, he, <laughs> he was training them to be superheroes. Um, because they all have some weird superpowers and supernatural abilities. Hmm. Um, very eclectic group of, group of characters, very different, like, abilities and, and interesting kind of dynamics at play. Like, there's one character that, um, uh, takes his whole, uh, superhero thing kind of literally, or like, like, he takes it more seriously as like a vigilante, kind of like, uh, like a Batman or or uh, um, Nightwing is what I kind of compare him to, and mm-hmm. uh, judging from the first episode. Um, and like there are other other characters. Ellen Page plays the one that's kind of like she doesn't really have like any special abilities. <laughs> um, and then there's another one that's this kid who can travel through time. And like the end of the first episode has this really interesting hook that has me very excited to watch the rest. Um, that I won't reveal or anything, but by the end of that first episode, you get a really good solid base of what, uh, what you can kind of expect from the season as a whole. And it has been renewed for a season two. It was actually, it's based on a graphic novel that was written by the lead singer of my chemical romance. That's random. <laughs> Randomly enough. Huh. Also, uh, you want random. There is also a British, um, uh, uh, a talking, uh, a British talking monkey butler. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting. Um, I really need to get back into it. I kind of got bogged down with rewatching the Shield. 
Um, but I, w- I do very much like what I saw, so I'm going to watch the rest. And, nice. You know, yeah. Sounds so, eccentric. Yep. So that's the Umbrella Academy. It is on Netflix. I've only watched the first episode, but um, I say give it a shot. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to k- kick off my potpourri with uh, Fifty Shades Freed. Oh, nice. Which the wife and I finally watched. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> finished that trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, for the, for everyone know, listening, Tiny is our, uh, resident, uh, BDSM supporter. Expert. Expert, yes. No, not expert. <laughs> um, no, but like, uh, you know, these are, you've heard me talk about them before. They're just mm-hmm. stupid fun and just yeah. dumb entertainment. Um, mm-hmm. and it was, it was extra fun this, with this third movie, because they just, they really just weren't even trying anymore. I mean, it was just so, it was, it was more softcore <laughs> porn than any, than the other two movies. Wait, hang on. Let me just stop you right there. <laughs> they were trying before. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little. Okay. Um, but they, they really just, like, it was, it was literally like they'd be in the middle of a dialogue scene mm-hmm. and like, the slow jazzy music would come in and they'd start banging and he'd start beating the shit out of her or something. And it was just like, it was so weird. I was like, man, that, like they didn't even, this is like, you could put this on showtime at two in the morning on a Wednesday and people would be like, Oh, there's some softcore porn on showtime right now. Like that's what <laughs> it was that blatant. It was just really weird. Um, wow. and just, it just, man, there's this whole plot where like her old boss is still, trying to hunt her down or something and he like won't give up and do you know a fan who plays him uh the boss is played by eric johnson okay some strong jawed good looking man mm-hmm. i'm not familiar with anything i wasn't else in done. the movie <laughs> <laughs> hey anyway uh, you're funny <laughs> uh but no um i thought someone like more recognizable was no. Oh, okay. Nope, that guy. <laughs> huh. uh, I'm not familiar with anything else he's done, so. Okay. Yeah. Um, but he, it was, it was very cheesy, like, like a B story in a season of 24 cheesy. <laughs> like that, that wow. kind of, it was ridiculous. Um, and then like, just the whole, their, their, their relationship from the get go just never made sense. And it still mm. continues to not make sense. Jeez. And you know they get married and stuff, and that's not a spoiler. It's in the trailers, right? Right. Um, and it's just like, yeah, great decision. Like I just, <laughs> it's just so fucking weird. I didn't. It's so weird that people latched onto it the way they well, women latched onto it mm-hmm. the way they did. Um, because it's just not good. It's not. It's just not a well constructed story. It, mm-hmm. the, the relationship doesn't make sense. Dakota Fanning and Jamie Dornan, or Dakota Johnson mm-hmm. and uh, Jamie Dornan just don't even have much chemistry, really, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think Jamie Dornan's actually maybe a pretty decent actor. Okay. I haven't seen him anything else, so I can't say, but um, Dakota Johnson's just meh. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he he seems like he could be decent. I, I don't know, but he just, I don't think he has anything to work with. And trying, trying to bounce off of, bounce ideas off of Dakota Johnson must be like, Trying to work with a bowl of jello. <laughs> I just, Jeez. yeah. So anyways, it's, it, it, it was all just in, in good dumb fun. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's worth a watch for that, yeah. in my opinion. What's your ranking of the three movies? Oh God. <laughs> I don't know. 
the order they were released in because who cares <laughs> i mean i really sure. don't i'm not gonna put that much thought into it i'll put gotcha. it that i'll put it that way nice <laughs> so yeah 50 huh. shades freed it happened wow it's over now we can all yeah yeah we can all get past it right I'll get you the audiobooks. Oh, thank you. Books. Appreciate yeah. it. Yep. If you're interested in more uh, uh, poking fun at the series, there's a a blog I stumbled upon several <laughs> years ago of this woman who was reading the books and reviewing yes. them on her blog. It's the name of the her blog series is called Fifty Shades of Tedious Fuckery, right. and like Google it. It's hilarious. Like I think she might be British, mm-hmm. um, but she just tore it to pieces, and it was really entertaining i read like the whole thing <laughs> i remember that because we worked together yeah and uh you you showed that to me and holy crap yeah it's it, it was funny so oh that's great i'm looking it up now yeah um i hope it's still out there somewhere yeah i think it might be yeah um i think i don't know well i'll find if i find it i'll put it in the show notes sweet um, but yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, should I go next? Please do. Okay, so this is a movie that we both saw in the theater together. Yes. Um, Apollo 11. Nice. Um, first of all, I haven't had a chance to talk about this, I don't think. I may have talked about it on, on a Patreon thing, but, um, so, okay, so to backtrack, the most recent, or like a couple Patreon exclusive things ago, I'm not going to go into detail about it. If you want to hear about it, you have to pay us a dollar. But um, <laughs> uh, one of the recent Patreon exclusive uh, recordings, I talked about with Fekus how kind of aggravating it is, like when kids are very talkative during movies in the theater. And like what kind of propelled that was... um I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Was this, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, was this, um, Facebook post that someone that we went to high school with, uh, posted a Facebook, like, status that was a picture of her kid and, like, at the movie theater and she was talking about how, um, how, like, we saw How to Train Your Dragon 3 and this one narrated the whole movie for everyone, haha. And, like, that kind of triggered me and I was just like, just teach your kid not to do that. Like, no. like, you're in a public place. Like, it's not, like, it's not cute. It's not funny. It's no. just, it's disruptive to everyone who else who paid money for it, uh, and everything. So then, like, that led into this whole, uh, not argument, but discussion with Molly and Yuri and, and this little group chat I'm in. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, if you go to kids' movies, like, you, you know, expect to, that there are kids there that are talking. Like, that's just, like, two hours is a long time to expect a kid not to talk and everything. And, like, I get their point and everything. But, so anyway. Apollo 11 <laughs> yeah. is a documentary about the Apollo 11 mission to the moon uh, told entirely, like, this is incredible, told entirely through archival footage. There's no talking heads, no um, interviews or anything. Interviews. There's no, like, uh, title cards or anything like that. It's just, it's like a narrative, it's a narrative constructed completely out of archival, archival footage. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um... We saw it in IMAX uh, a few weeks ago. Tiny, what what was your experience with these people that were sitting directly <laughs> behind us? Did uh, they bother you at all? Oh God, yes. Okay. Like I, I was super. And if you if you know my personality at all, I'm not this mm-hmm. kind of person. I'm not confrontational in the slightest. I almost turned around and was like, "Me you gotta, too." You got to stop. 
Me too. You guys thought. I almost turned around and shushed. Yeah. For context. Yeah. It was a family of people. Like, okay, the argument that, like, okay, well, if you go to a kid's movie, don't be surprised when there are kids talking. Like, right. I get that. I, I will still reserve my right to be a uh, crotchety old man. Yes. And be annoyed by it. But when you go to a documentary about the moon landing yeah. that is completely told through archival footage, like, okay, I, I respect bringing kids to that. Like I respect mm-hmm. that, but it's just like, and I, and I love the idea that there were kids there that could learn from it and everything and be inspired by it. But also like in the back of my head, I was like, you wouldn't expect kids to be here. <laughs> no, I, I'm actually yeah. a little surprised at how well behaved they were. Yeah. Cause yeah, they, I mean, I, if I were, so I think it was three kids. It was at least two. I, it was at least two. At least two. Um, I think the kid that was being annoying, I would guess he was seven, maybe eight. I would have thought like a little, yeah, yeah, seven or eight probably. But maybe. there was another kid who was like 11, 12. Okay. See, I didn't, I didn't okay. eyeball any of them. I think, I think like um, twelve, like sixth grade is maybe the threshold for bringing yeah. a kid to that movie. Yeah. Like, I think even a sixth grader would probably be fairly bored by it. Right. But could still be like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know? Yeah. But like younger than that, they'd just be like, why is nothing blowing up? Or like, yeah. well, you know, they'd be like bored or whatever. Yeah. And so this kid, Mostly in the second half of the movie. Mm-hmm. It was also mostly in kind of the beginning too. Was it? Okay, I don't. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm just missing. Oh, I immediately caught it. Okay. Um, because like that is like so annoying. Yeah. Uh, like like during when they showed footage of like the launch pad and like the the spectators and everything. Mm-hmm. Like I like I was mentally like checking like all the shit that this kid was saying. Uh, he was like, well, they all have white hats, and like totally constructive, totally. Interesting. Oh, I didn't even hear him talking. Oh, really? Oh, I thought whoa. you were talking about the foot tapping. Oh no, that fucking pissed me off. That I was furious. Yeah, you didn't hear him talking. I didn't hear him talking. Really? I wasn't paying. Oh, I didn't and hear like that. the whole family was kind of talking a little bit too. Okay. So let me let me run through like what all happened. Uh, the kid was like, "Oh, why are they all wearing white hats or something?" And it's just like, who the fuck cares? It's not it's not <laughs> lost. You're not gonna fucking di- <laughs> dissect like little things. It's just footage of people. It's irrelevant, kid. Yeah. Um, and then there was a shot of someone in mission control, uh, who had a name tag that said Willie. So the kid blurts out, his name's Willie. And like, oh, cool. Yeah. I'm glad that I couldn't fucking figure that out for myself. You (laughs) fucking, anyway. You can read. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, you can, you can read what's on screen, but you clearly can't read the room. (laughs) Um, So, and then, uh, when they were doing the countdown to the launch, uh, he was like counting along with him, like five, four, three, two, one. And, Man, I don't uh, even remember that. Oh, I, I remember it vividly, tiny. <laughs> um, but yeah, the foot tapping thing. Yes. Like, n- like I, I get it. Like nervous energy, kids all like all hopped up on sugar and, right. and uh, you know, hormones or whatever. Like, there's a lot of like energy and everything that you know he's been sitting in there for like an hour and 10 minutes yeah um starts tapping his feet rapidly during like while neil is on the fucking ladder like descending onto the moon yeah and i'm thinking like like i'm i'm divided like it's a very highly emotional like very like profound moment Right. And I hear this fucking kid just tapping his fucking feet and his fucking parents not doing a goddamn thing to stop him. And he did it a lot. Yeah. Yep. It wasn't the whole time. He would do it in like a burst of like a few minutes. Mm-hmm. 
and then stop for 10 minutes and then do it again. And it was, it was loud. Like it yeah. it wasn't like I could gently hear it in the background. Right. Like it was loud. It like, was like if that was my kid after the third tap, I'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Stop. And that's, that's deep down. I think that's what kind of pisses me off too, is that it's, it was loud enough to where it's like, okay, it's like he's doing it almost not intentionally, but it's like, it's not like the kind of semi involuntarily uh, involuntary exactly. tapping. It's like he's, he's bored enough to where he's entertaining himself. Yes. Um, yep. So yeah. Ugh. That was infuriating. Yeah. And then also like the family, like they were talking like at random intervals, like there was one thing, like I get what she was saying. Um, but the way she said it just kind of got to me a little bit. Like there was footage from, uh, from the capsule or from, yeah, from the capsule, like seeing, like the, seeing the earth through the window. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that there were some computer generated imagery with that. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I, I assume, I don't know. Cause it looked fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and then also shots from the moon. And like, I get what she was saying. Cause she was saying like, like in her brain, she was like the thing that she was conveying was that it's computer generated image imagery for the documentary to, to like, to make it look like nice and everything. Like yeah. it's, it's computer generated. Like this particular portion is computer generated, but she kept saying like, is that fake? It looks uh. fake. And I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking like, don't, don't perpetuate this stupid fucking thing. <laughs> Um, just, you know, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. That was just, and like immediately after that, like when I got in my car, um, I texted Fekus and was like, yeah, Apollo 11 was really great. Um, and then I told him uh, like in a, in a wall of text, like all of that. Yeah. <laughs> and then his response, <laughs> his response was, um, oh, I said, just got out of Apollo 11 with tiny, by the way, really amazing. And he said, Oh, I know. I loved it. I was the youngest person in the theater by 30 years. Oh my <laughs> God. And I was like, You're so fucking lucky. <laughs> the youngest people in the theater were the two, I pegged them at 11 or 12 year olds. Uh, they were sitting right behind us with their parents and commenting on a decent amount and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then he said, Ha ha ha. Your movie theater experiences are cursed. You must have been John Wilkes Booth in your previous life. It's <laughs> like, Yeah, I, I'm sure that I was. <laughs> Oh my god. Six Semper Tyrannus. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> but the movie though. But the movie, yeah, okay, so yeah. Um, really, really compelling documentary. I loved it. Absolutely. Um, really great. Just like the footage and the way that they, I was so enamored with the way that they went for it. Like they made it a narrative. And it's funny cause like, um, Criterion Channel is coming out next month. Uh, Criterion's streaming service and everything, and they for charter subscribers they have movie of the movies of the week, which I haven't been watching, um, and I've been thinking about canceling my subscription because I because I, just three podcasts and a cat I can't yeah handle so many streaming services and stuff, but um, the, each movie of the week each Wednesday it resets so like the previous movie of the week you can't watch it anymore. Um, the service launches April 8th and you'll be able to watch everything there. But this week's, um, <laughs> this week's, as of this recording, we're recording it March 13th, um, is the 1989, uh, documentary for all mankind. 
Oh, okay. Um, which I think is a similar, I don't know, I don't know if format wise it's similar, but it is comprised a lot of archival footage and like footage that was shot like on the moon and stuff. Nice. Um, so I'm gonna have to definitely squeeze that in. Cool. Um, and watch it. It's just kind of tough because with the Criterion Channel subscribe, charter subscriber thing, um, they don't have the app yet since it hasn't launched or anything. Mm. So like I have to either watch it on my phone or on my computer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Apollo 11 was, was phenomenal. I highly, highly recommend, uh, everyone go see it. Cause, cause like the thing that, the thing that really, um, uh, kind of blew me away about it was that it's like this, this, what we did, um, I know it is just like in the, most literal sense of the word it is completely awe-inspiring yeah like just it it is like it's so hard to believe that like not hard to believe but it's so inspiring to think like we fucking did this i know (laughs) like this is a thing that happened and it's just so incredible and like it made me just legitimately sad that we we haven't done much else right in terms of space exploration Mm -hmm. um yeah it it yeah it's so inspiringly demonstrated the grandeur of the the event like Mm -hmm. it was it's the greatest adventure in the history of humankind yeah it's the greatest adventure we've ever been on Mm -hmm. and um you know a hundred million people watched it on tv and like they like broadcast like when they launched i think they broadcast the whole launch for like six hours on network tv like, yeah. do you, they don't do that for anything anymore right. even an election yeah they oh, don't yeah. do i mean and so it's just like just the the grandeur of it and like all of the steps involved you just don't yeah. fully understand all the variables yes exactly cool. and like how did they how were they able to calculate all of this stuff perfectly mm. i mean it's like you're guiding you're guiding a bullet that's been fired out of a gun that's what you're doing, and it's like the fact that they were able to do it with, yeah, you know, technology that looks like a friggin' abacus compared to my phone, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, yeah, and and I'm, it's so lucky that they filmed everything in mm-hmm. 70 millimeter back then <laughs> because the way it transfers to IMAX, <laughs> the way they were able to restore it and, and right. you know uh, show it in IMAX mm-hmm. was just astounding yeah the the restoration like the restoration was unbelievable completely mind-blowing especially like the opening Uh, shots of the the um the launch pad the launch pad on the crawler yeah crawling to the launch pad like it looked like they dressed people up Mm -hmm. in 2018 and filmed them right that's what it looks like it was it was that crisp and Mm -hmm. high definition i was like damn it's just amazing how they and i don't know if there was some cgi involved or something like you said i have no yeah. idea but if, you, like if there was said you, if it was fake yeah if there was you couldn't tell yeah you really could it, it was just unbelievable mm-hmm. um i was i was really blown away yeah it's god like and i like i i love space like the idea of space export is something i've always been just fascinated by yeah and like i said like it, it there's a tinge of just sadness that like like throughout my entire life i've thought like I I hate that like like well I'll never see like 
like us colonizing the stars or like like yeah. achieving like stuff that's in science fiction. That's why I love science fiction is that it transports me there. I need to I need to get back into the expanse. But anyway, um mm. just it's just so so wonderful like just seeing that like and I had this little tinge of just sadness that like we didn't go farther. Like I like the whole when they're on the moon and everything I was like like it just it took me back to that mindset. Like that time frame like being in 1969 all I thought was like I didn't time travel or anything but um <laughs> like it put me in that mindset that it was like like people then are seeing this and like they can extrapolate like they'll have a moon base in like 5 years and right. they'll be able to go to Mars and everything and like it's amazing that we have robots and everything yeah on another planet like just think about that for 1 second yeah we have fucking robots on Mars like in a complete like a completely different planet than our own like it's that is um, incredible to me absolutely um and god it's so it's just so fucking inspiring mm-hmm. um and this documentary was 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 really phenomenal it was um yeah that um just this is relevant but that book i read about ai mm-hmm. it talked about the impact it would have on space exploration ooh like cuz the Space exploration is limited by our ability to wield energy, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, how quickly humans would age. Like yeah. a- aging humans, right? To the nearest star, it would take us like 100 years to get there or whatever at speed of light, something like that. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. So with AI, you could have human embryos on board, and the AI mm-hmm. could steer the ship for 500 years and keep the human embryos alive and recolonize a planet. Like I was just like, holy shit. Like, That's and it's so not even... Amazing. Like we could do it with, we could do it with like the propulsion technology that we already that we already have. Like mm-hmm. we could use nuclear energy, and like it doesn't matter. Like we don't have to travel at the speed of light because we could. It could take right. five hundred years to get there, and it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit! It's, and we could have all the software and technology that those humans would need to communicate with us. Mm-hmm. So we could literally establish another colony on in another on another side of the galaxy. And communicate with them. That's so. Yeah, I was like, "Holy shit, that's God. crazy!" It's just crazy to think about space travel. It really is. I, yeah. man, I, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm pulling up my Audible because I'm gonna restart listening to the Expanse series. Nice. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, anyways, yeah. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> Apollo, Apollo 11, Eleven was really good. I highly recommend everyone see it. Um, I think it's the first movie I'm, yeah. I'm putting in my top 10 for the year oh yeah yeah nice um i really really loved it i do have a uh by the way there's there's a book called i haven't read it yet but uh it came out like a handful of years ago called uh seven eves by neil stevenson mm-hmm. um it's kind of a massive book but um uh oh that's interesting uh i'll just read it read the summary uh first of all seven eves was included on president obama's summer 2016 reading list um hmm. so Let's see. Uh, real, real quick. Um, a catastrophic event renders the Earth a ticking time bomb and a feverish race against the inevitable nations around the globe, globe band together to devise an ambitious plan to ensure the survival of humanity far beyond our atmosphere and outer space. The, the complexities and unpredictability of human nature com- coupled with unforeseen challenges and dangers threaten the intrepid pioneers until 
Only a handful of survivors remain. 5,000 years later, their progeny, seven distinct races now three billion strong, embark on, on yet another audacious journey into the unknown, to an alien world utterly transformed by cataclysm and time. Earth. Jeez. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm, I, why haven't I listened to that yet? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I think there's a movie coming out about it. I don't oh, know. Oh, really? It might be in development hell right now, but, hmm. um, yeah, it's called Seven Eves, um, all one word. I am and, interested uh, in that. Yeah. I am downloading Levine, Leviathan Wakes and Caliban's War for the Expanse. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, so that's that's my uh, extended potpourri section for this, or that's my my one there. What's your next? <laughs> um, uh, really quickly, I wanted to talk about, um, I have I have two more things, but they'll be brief. Mm-hmm. Um, a documentary I watched on Netflix that's still on there, it's called Senna, mm-hmm. uh, which is a documentary about a... Uh, a Brazilian Formula One race car driver um, who was prominent in the uh, 80s, 80s and 90s. Um, and it's really just about his life. Um, and, and sort of similar to Apollo 11, mm-hmm. um, the the footage, like the visuals are 100% stock footage. Okay. Um, there are There is audio of modern record, modern interviews with people okay. who, who know him and knew him. Um and they dropped that in, but it's all with stock footage. Okay. So it's it was really cool in in that regard. Um, and I, I think Formula I I'm not a fan of Formula One racing. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of a difficult league sport to follow because it's international. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, but I know I know a few. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I know it's very political, mm-hmm. and there's just tons of money involved, and it's a very it's a very tricky sport to be in, very tricky league to be in. Mm-hmm. Um. And it was demonstrated really well in this documentary by how he was, he, he didn't, he came from a prominent family, but it was a prominent Brazilian family. Hmm. Like a lot of, like Formula One is very European, even though it's right. considered a worldwide, uh, it's, it's, it's a worldwide league. Hmm. Um, but like most of the drivers who make it to like the top teams are from, you know, France and England and Germany and there it's it's a very elite European type thing and like there's not a lot of Australian or Japanese or you know Brazilian drivers who make right. it an upper echelon and it's it's just blatant elitism it's not hmm. and and it's it's funny because Ayrton Senna was Brazilian and he was the best he was the huh. best in the league and like they couldn't he was so good that they could not keep him from winning championships and being hired by the best teams. And there was a guy who was F1 is very common for rivalries. Okay. Cause the people kind of, if, if you're good and you get to the upper echelon of the sport, you stay in it as long as you can. Mm-hmm. And so he actually was like a very fierce rival with this, uh, this French driver, but they were both extremely good. And so they ended up being teammates, but they oh, hated wow. each other. Um, it was really, it was really incredible. Um, and he's, I think what's great about the documentary is that he was like a very unique person. He was like a God in Brazil, um, because he elevated Brazil's international, you know, racing profile around the world. Um, and he, he was like a, like one of those once in a generation type competitive athletes. Um, you know, he's, he's like, he's like a Michael Phelps type Mm -hmm. person. Like, um, he, there was a race. It was actually, ironically, it was the, uh, Brazilian Grand Prix. Okay. And he had never won it. It was like his fifth season. 
and he was so he was so determined to win it that like before the race he was like I'm going to win this race today if it kills me. Hmm. And like he was beating the shit out of everybody. He was like 3 laps ahead of everybody. Oh my god. Yeah, beating the shit out of them. And his gearbox jammed. Jesus. He was his gearbox was stuck in 6th gear and he still had like 40 laps left. Huh. And he still won the fucking race. That's nuts. Yeah, they showed footage of it. He had to be helped. They had to like peel his hands off the steering wheel and they had to help him out of the car because his like he uh he I think he like maybe like had some uh tendon damage in his arms because mm-hmm. he had to fight the car so hard to hang into sixth gear. And he still won the race. I think he only won it by like, you know, five or ten seconds instead of three laps. Jesus. But he still won the fucking race. It was just incredible. Like he's that, he was an incredible person. Like, like we we both grew up in Speedway, mm-hmm. uh, home of the Indy Five Hundred and everything. Oh, by the way, when you said that um, Senna uses a lot of stock footage and everything, mm-hmm. uh, would you say that he uses a lot of F one footage? Hey, <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. A lot of open wheel footage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but we both grew up in Speedway. I don't really like. I, I'm not a sports person mm-hmm. or anything, um, and I'm definitely not like an auto racing like aficionado or anything. Mm-hmm. But just the the skill that it takes to do that, like I feel like when when like people who don't like aren't like keyed into like what it takes to really do like you know what what drivers do yeah um on the track like it's easily dismissed like, oh you know just drive 500 miles like okay right um or just you know drive like an it's an endurance thing it's not like a, a peak ath- athletic thing but like the amount of work that goes into it and just the yeah. mental dexterity that's needed for it yes and the danger of it also is just I, I it's just insane. It really is. Um also uh uh Ron Howard's movie Rush that was Formula 1, right? Yes it was. Okay. Um it was about it was uh that was a little bit before this. That was like okay. 70s. Um but the 70s were an interesting time in all of auto racing because oh. the technology was advancing so fast mm-hmm. that the safety couldn't keep up and like Damn. as was evidenced in the movie Rush mm-hmm. A, a lot of race car drivers died in the seventies mm. and early eighties. And like it, it, it got to the point where they were like, okay, we have to make significant changes to this sport before people die. But mm-hmm. so people stop dying literally. Right. Um, and so like my, my father-in-law was a huge, is a huge auto racing fan, loves the Indy 500. Mm-hmm. And he talked about when he would, you know, in the seventies, it was all about like all the new cars coming out this year. And it was like every two, three years, there was a new, a new engine, a new chassis, a new body style. Hmm. Um, you know, that was the time of Mario Andretti and AJ Foyt mm-hmm. and all those guys. Um, uh, and that's where all the innovation was. But now all the innovation is in safety. Uh-huh. Like if you, if you look at every, all the new stuff that comes out, it's about making the sport safer. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's, it's just a different way of looking at the sport. Um, yes. it's not necessarily good or bad, but it's like, you can only go so far with speed. Right. Like in the, like the, the, the speed record at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, mm-hmm. which is 240 miles an hour, was set in like 1996. Jeez. It's like a 20 year, it's like you would think, you know, technology continually improves, you would think that it would keep going up, mm-hmm. but they actually made the cars slower because, 240 miles an hour is a little too fast uh, yeah. for that track. You would mm. need to design a whole new track for a car that can go 250, 270, 290 miles an hour. Yeah. And so it's just like, it only, it can only go so far and 
it's because of guys like Ayrton Senna who continue to just push the sport and like push what's humanly possible inside a yeah. race car. Wow. Um, it's, it's a really cool documentary. Nice. I think even if you're not into racing, I think it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I've heard really good things about it. I'm going to have to check it out. Um, mm-hmm. that reminds me, there was this book. Um, I think it was about, I think, I think it was called Blood and Smoke. It was about the first, like the first, like Indy 500 or something. I, I think. Oh, okay. Um, like this was years ago that I read, like I started reading it on mm-hmm. Kindle. I never finished it, but, um, I just remember they were talking about the innovations of like the race cars and everything and like how at the time, like when the, the, around the time of the first Indy 500, um, the cars topped out at like 60 miles per hour or something. Yeah. And, uh, one of the drivers, like one of the things that stuck with me was that one of the drivers said like after like testing a car or something and like getting up to 60 miles an hour, they're like, people should not drive that fast. <laughs> <laughs> we're not meant to go this fast. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, oh my God. Yeah. So. Well, that's cool. I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, Senna, it's on yeah, Netflix. If you ever get a chance or you're feeling yeah. interested, it's, it's an nice. interesting movie. Nice. Um, I'm going to kind of round out my, my extended potpourri with a quick thing. Um, here in a few weeks, uh, The Twilight Zone, Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone, um, is premiering on CBS All Access. Um, so, so excited for it. Mm. Um, the all the marketing they're doing all the trailers all the little like facebook social media things are great there was one recently i don't know if you saw it but it's this uh this image of this this plane and sound effects of the plane and everything you see the clouds like going like it's it's shot from the underside of the plane okay and so it's you see the clouds moving and the and you hear the sound of the plane and then it's slowly zooming out and like the perspective shifts or like in your mind, like it, like you realize like, Oh, it's not actually flying. It's just like in the sand. Like it's just, it's just sitting upright in the sand with its nose, oh. its nose in the sand. Um, wow. and it's just, it's just so, it's so disorienting and cool. It says like twilight zone, April 1st. Um, nice. CBS all access. Um, so, so excited for it. Yeah. Um, all, everything they're doing is right. But I do want to mention a couple of things. One is I just kind of preemptively, uh, signed up for CBS All Access and I've kind of been browsing it. It's, it's really cool. It's good interface and everything. I'm using my PS4 for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's good stuff. And, um, <laughs> something that kind of got my goat a little bit. Um, I think that this was referring to the Twilight Zone. But I saw like comments, like I think it may have been like on that post on, on the Twilight Zone Facebook page. Um, and like one person commented and was like, well, if, if it's good, uh, if they're so sure, or if they think it's going to be good or, um, I can't remember exactly what the guy said, but he said something like, well, if it's going to be good, then why don't they just put it on network TV? Like put it on regular <laughs> TV and like, it just like it triggered something in me. Yeah. Because like, okay, first of all, um, get out of here with that. Like, yeah. Like, f- no. Like, no. Just like, I'm presuming a few things about this person, but like, okay, if you're, for lack of a better word, old and crotchety. Yeah. Um, if you're like me in a movie theater with kids surrounding, me, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, get with the time, like. It recognize that streaming services and like 
they're a legitimate platform for television, right? Like original content uh, on television, and like I just don't get the mentality of like, well, why are why are they just dumping it on a streaming service and not putting it on on network TV? Um, the reason is that a uh, there's been such a shift of people watching live TV and watching network TV. Yeah. Um, two is that they don't need to write to ad breaks. It's like they don't have to, they don't have to, uh, edit down a product to fit a very specific time slot and they don't have to worry about FCC regulations and, and, uh, standards and practices or whatever. More art, less um, business. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and if you can't recognize that at this point in 2019, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, shut your mouth, basically. Yes. Yeah. Quit, I need- quit uh, tapping your feet <laughs> and, <laughs> and get with the times. Well, and you have to acknowledge that the the efficiency or the efficacy of the old ways of network television is inefficient, and it's yeah. not a good oh, yeah. way to collect ratings. Mm-mm. It's not. It's not that appealing to people anymore. Mm-hmm. Like anyone, even like yeah. my my parents don't watch much live TV anymore, oh, and they're they're senior citizens, like yeah. they're they're baby boomers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know people want to be able to watch stuff when they want to, like putting a show, airing a show at like oh the Thursday night nine o'clock slot that is the most coveted yeah. slot or Sunday night at whatever that people don't think that way anymore right yeah and, and even old even old people old crotchety people that you're talking to most yeah. of them don't think that way anymore so no. it's like you're you're just stuck in an old an old way of thinking yeah and it's not productive you're set in your ways you're set in your ways yeah, yeah. and i really hope that well like when we're old when we're old podcasters um, <laughs> i hope that we don't i mean it's inevitable like you know you're married to the technology of your time right uh i just hope that you know we can keep our mental faculties about us to where we can change with the times me too yeah me too yep. so yeah. i don't know but anyway that kind of got my goat but uh twilight yeah. zone i'm so excited for it mm-hmm. um april 1st and it was <laughs> it was also kind of uh surprising to me that how much people were like when the super bowl trailer came out uh for the twilight zone how many people were like is this real? Like, <laughs> is this really happening? Like, and they're, they were like, it's coming out April 1st. Is this yeah. an April Fool's joke? And I'm like, like being like, you know, a Twilight Zone podcaster. Um, like <laughs> I, I was just thinking like, I've been keeping up with this news for like a year. Like it's happening, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God, I'm so excited. Yeah. It's going to uh, be awesome. Yeah. So anyway, um, that's, that's that. Okay. Uh, anything else? I can round this out really quick with my last okay. one. Yeah, I forgot you had one more. It'll be super brief. Okay. Um, my wife and I have been watching the new Queer Eye series okay. on Netflix. Um, I didn't watch the old one at Me all, either. but I knew I knew what the premise was. You know, five gay men mm-hmm. provide a makeover for right. someone. Right. I never really got the felt the need to watch it because I have so much style anyway. Oh, totally. With all of my graphic tees and totally jeans. Yes. <laughs> um, so I never watched just because it just wasn't on my radar. I just didn't, I don't know. I shouldn't watch it. I think I was maybe a little young for it at the time. Um, cause we were like junior high when that came out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, and back when anything that had anything to do with like, like, uh, queer culture or homosexuality, it was like, Oh, we can't watch that. Cause we're, 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 we're str- like, like right. just, you know, exactly early two thousands. 
were cis, junior we were, high. We were cis males before it, that was a thing. Exactly. <laughs> um, but the new the new show, the new episodes on Netflix, which have been out for two years, they, there's two seasons. The third season drops this week or next week. Okay. Um, it is absolutely fantastic nice. in every single way. Um, the old show, I guess, I, I like I said, I didn't watch it, but I guess it was. The Fab Five, as they're called, mm. the Fabulous Five people who are on the gay men who are on it. Um, it was really just like a makeover. Like mm. they just updated your style a little bit and you got like a haircut and stuff like that. Um, but this new one, it's this, the tagline for this, the new series is more than just a makeover. Okay. Because each one of the Fab Five is like, uh, uh, a certain aspect of a person's life. They help them make it over. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so like they help them like remodel their living space. Huh. And they, they do like, uh, like a makeup, thing, like a haircut and a makeup thing. Um, and then there is a style guy, but there's a guy who does like culture and he like helps them like introverted people be more outgoing or basically just helps them achieve, wow. achieve some kind of goal they're, they're searching for. Hmm. Um, and then there's a guy who helps them like cook, like learn how to cook, mm-hmm. uh, cook something fun. That's like relevant to who they are as a person. Do, um, do they deliver couches and get rid of old couches? <laughs> Not that I know of, <laughs> but for a they're such nice guys. They'd probably do it if you asked them to. Nice. Um, I just, I really like all five of the guys they chose. I think mm-hmm. they're, you know, obviously the the link between all of them is that they're all gay men, mm-hmm. but they're they're a pretty diverse little group actually. Nice. Um, I'm I'm really impressed with it. Like the t- style guy, his name is Tan. He's mm-hmm. British, um, and he has like he's uh he's a Muslim and he's like has like a, a Muslim background and mm-hmm. um, there's a, a black guy from the South. There's a guy who was uber religious and had to like give it up because he was gay. Wow. Um, it's, it's, it, they're really interesting guys. Does it go into their, like their history and stuff? Or is it just like, like it doesn't, it doesn't, but it comes up naturally because okay. of the people that they interact mm-hmm. with and try to make over and stuff like that. And I know like the, I guess, original iteration of the show, like back when we were, you know, uh, homophobic kids yeah um, uh queer eye for the straight guy right they've since dropped for the straight guy is are they helping with like different kinds of people or is it still like straight men that it's not just straight men they okay. helped they actually made over a gay man oh interesting and like his goal was to come out to his stepmother oh wow and so there's that they uh they made over a trans person oh wow who had their like Top surgery, which is like the number one surgery they want to have to help them transition. Okay. Um. They so they they helped they helped him do that. Um. Oh. They did a make makeover for a, a woman. Uh. Hmm. Women, men. It's different ages. They they helped make over this like eighteen year old kid before he went off to college. Wow. It was it's really and I, I, using the word makeover is almost a, a misnomer because it's sure. and and the thing that I love about it is that it's so positive. It's so yeah. like. That's what I've heard. Yeah, and a lot of it's like, look, you're a great person. We just want to help you be even better. Mm-hmm. Like that's what a lot of it is. It's like if there's stuff about you that makes you unhappy, we're gonna help you change that. Wow. And they help them by, you know, having different, having a different clothing style. And hmm. uh, one of the most significant things I think is the the remodel. They remodel their living space, their yeah. their home or their apartment or whatever. That's that's really huge and and a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. And then the you know the, the the whole culture aspect where they help them become something. One guy was a stand up comedian. Oh wow! And he just needed like help polishing his act, and he did his final act, and it was really funny. And it was just really, it's just incredibly positive and like 
my wife cries at every single episode. Oh yeah. And by my wife, I mean me too. <laughs> um, cause it's just so emotional and like they just make such a positive impact on these people. Nice. It's, it is remarkably inspiring and it's hilarious. They're hilarious. The, the, these guys yeah. are just so damn funny, especially, um, John Van Ness is the hairstyle and makeup guy. Okay. You may have seen him before. He was fame. He became famous by being on a web series that I think was on, um, uh, funny, uh, funny or die. Okay. Uh, it was called Gay of Thrones. Okay. And it was basically a hairdresser <laughs> who would recap Game of Thrones with a person that they were cutting their hair with. Okay. And he would, he's, he's remarkably flamboyant. Like he's, he's <laughs> pretty much a stereotype. Okay. But he's, he's hysterical. <laughs> I, in, in my opinion, some people might find him annoying, but mm-hmm. he's absolutely hysterical. Um, and if you, if you look up gay of Thrones, mm-hmm. you'll laugh your ass off. That I, last I checked, I, I did see that kind of when I was browsing around, uh, prime video. Okay. Um, because I think they have like a thing with Funny or Die where they have Funny or Die stuff on nice on there, so you can watch like Between Two Ferns and and okay. Game of Thrones. So I may have been college humor, but I think it was Funny or Die. Yeah, it might. Well, I might be getting it mixed up. I, I can't know. remember, but yeah. it's you. You can find it pretty yeah. easily. So. Yeah, yeah. It's it is a resoundingly enjoyable show, and nice. like my wife and I are just ecstatic for season three to come out. Mm-hmm. So and it's on Netflix, right? Um, it is on Netflix. Yes, nice. And there's two seasons on there. A third season comes out this week or next week. So, cool. or last week, or last week. Yes. Uh, cool. That's awesome. It's fantastic. Um, I may have to check it out. It, so, is it just just those seasons? Like, they don't have the backlog of they don't. Okay, not that I know of. Okay, cool. I think yeah. that was. I feel like that was. Nah, I don't know. If, that was on. Is on Bravo. Bravo. Oh, Bravo. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I think that should do it then. Totally. Um. Yeah. So coming up on all of the podcasts, we have like this is, bit like we have we like, there's stuff like we got <laughs> plans in the works. We do, and uh, we're gonna try our best to do as much as we can. Yes. Um. Like this weekend, I think I'm going to, I'm gonna put this out there and have this recorded in like like I'm. This is, I'm committing to it. I'm going to record like all of my anthology episodes for next month. Wow. <laughs> so that I can have that going, <laughs> which is funny because with the relaunch, like with anthology, I do like a bonus review of a movie or show related to the week's main topic. Um, and then for the relaunch, I was like, ah, I'm going to kind of take that back. I'm going to walk that back. I'm not going to do bonus reviews for at least a while as I get kind of back into the groove. And then as I was researching the next episode that I'm reviewing, uh, it's a Richard Matheson episode that he originally sold a story to somewhere that eventually became one of the stories in, um, Trilogy of Terror, um, an anthology horror movie from 1975 hmm. that's available on Amazon Prime, but it's a very similar story to the episode of The Twilight Zone, um, so I was just like, I was researching. I was like, fuck, that has to be a bonus review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so we'll do that. Um, or I'll do that. And then, uh, Tower Junkies, we've got a lot of stuff in the pipeline. Uh, Pet Cemetery, uh, book, original movie, new movie reviews. Uh, we're gonna also gonna be talking about the Tommyknockers, Duma Key, Tommyknockers miniseries, and, uh, eventually the Dark Tower. <laughs> eventually, yeah. <laughs> eventually. Um, yeah, so, and then here on the podcast, on, on the flagship podcast of, uh, Obsessive Viewer, uh, we're gonna be reviewing Us and 
stuff. <laughs> uh, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yes. Game of Thrones. Uh, and Avengers Endgame. So anyway, right. fun stuff in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out all, all of our stuff. And any parting thoughts before we throw it to the pre-recorded outro? I don't think so. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Speaking of comic books, oh, um, did you see that for the 80th anniversary of Batman, they're going to release the Dark Knight trilogy in IMAX? Yes, the tickets are on sale now. Are they? <laughs> yeah, I just saw on... Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, an eight-hour marathon of all three movies. Yeah. So I've already got your ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I, is it showing show at the State Museum in Indianapolis? If it is... Yes. Balls. Late next month. Uh, it's going to be playing at the IMAX in 70mm. Um, Dang, what date's ne- next? I, that's you know? the thing. I don't know. Um, Shoot, I might. Because I'm going to be out of town for like a week. Oh, yeah. Uh, the third week of April. Okay. Where are you going? Uh, I'm doing some training for work, uh, out of town. Oh, okay. Uh, down in Florida. Oh, wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Boca Raton, to be specific. Wow. Yeah, I've never been there. Huh. Are they flying you out there and stuff? Yeah, yeah. You put me in a hotel for like a week, yeah, doing some training. That is awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. The Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to ObsessiveViewer.com slash OV archive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. And follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer and at Obsessive Tiny. And follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike White, that's me, at R.A. Feckus and at Burger underscore Lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. 
You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower Series, at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at TheSecularPerspective.com. The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loud Like from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty!